We're in a series right now just called In His Presence. And, you know, when we talk about the presence of the Lord, we're, we're not talking about some uh, mystical, strange, cosmic God force. We're talking about being in the presence of God, that He is here with us. Wherever we are, you see, you might be in your personal prayer time, but to be in the presence of God is that awareness that God is here with me. Not a strange thing. It's just being with the Lord in a very real, tangible way. You know, we, we're meeting with God, whether it's here or in our private prayer time, we're meeting with God. And you know what? It's when God shows up. I mean, when we know that the Lord is there, that we're talking to the creator of the universe, we're having an encounter with Him. And, you know, to get just a little glimpse of who He is and what He's like is an awesome thing just to be in His presence and begin to see Him in a fresh new way. That's life-changing, something that can even be overwhelming for us. There's a true story about a woman that went to a Haagen-Dazs store, and this is many years ago, but she went to this Haagen-Dazs store, and when she uh, gets her ice cream, her ice cream cone, and she turns around to leave, she finds herself face-to-face with Paul Newman. Now, I know some of you are like, who's that? Well, you see, it's, a, it's a movie star, all right? And she saw those blue eyes, and she said that, that her knees just about buckled. But uh, somehow she managed to uh, get out of the store, uh, and then she realized that she didn't have her ice cream cone. And so she kind of gathers herself, and she goes back to go in the store to get her ice cream, ice cream cone, and there at the door she's met by Paul Newman again. And she just kind of freezes up and he says, are you looking for your ice cream cone? And she just nodded. He said, I think you put it in your purse with your change. (laughs) She was so overwhelmed with being in the presence of this celebrity. But you see, sometimes when we are really in the presence of God, it can be overwhelming. It's so powerful. It's so awesome to be in the presence of an almighty, holy God. Peter had that kind of an experience on the Mount of Transfiguration. It's in Matthew 17, 1 through 4. It says, After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on high on a mountain by themselves, and he, and he was transfigured before them. His face, now listen to this, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. I mean, Peter just goes off babbling about, let's let's do this, let's do... He's just being Peter. But he's overwhelmed by this sight, what he is seeing. That, And it would just, you know, give him a little break here because... He just saw Jesus' face shining like the sun. That's what the Bible says. And his clothes were changed to bright white. I mean, he's watching this transfiguration, and it was just amazing. It was awesome. This is a New Testament example of just a little bit of the glory of the Lord shining upon the Lord Jesus. 
But that glory of the Lord, it is the splendor, the majesty of His character and His person. See, His presence is everywhere. He's omnipresent. But when we are in the presence of the Lord, where He is like right there with us, that is an awesome thing. To be in the glory of the Lord, you know, where He is, He reveals Himself to us in a fresh new way. That's what the psalmist is really talking about in Psalm 16, 11, when he says, In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, pleasures evermore. He's talking about something that is overwhelming, something that is powerful. It's extreme. It's fullness of joy. It's pleasures evermore. You see, to be in the presence of the Lord, when we see, we understand how wonderful He is, how awesome He is, we find everything that we need in the Lord. In His presence, no matter what you're going through, you see, when you're in His presence, all of a sudden, you can just have a peace come over you. That peace of God in His presence. You know, maybe God will give you a call. You're there in the presence of the Lord and God will give you a purpose in life like He called Moses at the burning bush, all of a sudden in the presence of the Lord, God gives direction to your life. In His presence, you, you maybe begin to experience the goodness of God. You sense, you understand, you know how good God is. Maybe it's His holiness. All of a sudden, you, you just understand, you see how holy the Lord is. And it changes you. David said in Psalm 26 and 8, I love the house where you live, O Lord, the place where your glory dwells. I love the, the place where your glory lives. The house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. I, I want you to think about this. He said, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. He's talking about the place where they go to meet with God. He's talking about that place, the special place where they meet with God. The place where His glory dwells. Church, we need to realize that there is a place where the glory dwells. You know, there's no temple yet when David says this, but he's talking about the place of worship where they go to meet with God. Solomon built the temple, but he even he knew that that temple was just a meeting place. It was just a place together for people to worship God. Second Chronicles 6, 18, he says, this is Solomon, he says, but will God indeed dwell with men on the earth? Behold, heaven... And the heaven of heavens cannot contain you, how much less this temple which I have built. You see, it never was about a building. We come together to worship Him, to seek Him, desiring to meet Him here. And we, like David, we ought to love to be in His house. We ought to love to be where His glory dwells. But we, we know this, that, listen... No, God, God doesn't live in a building. No, it's much more than that. It is when the people of God gather together in His name that God shows up in our midst. You know, Paul says in 1 Timothy 3.15, 
I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. You see, God doesn't live in buildings made with the hands of men, but he does live in a temple made with people. And, and Paul writes here, he says, the church of the living God That church of the living God is the house of God. Let me read it again. In the house of God, which is the church of the living God. What is the house of God? Three people know. It's right there. The house of God, which is the church of the living God. You know why it's so quiet right now? Because this is not what church culture religion in America tells you today. Because the church has been disregarded as nothing. The house of God, which is the church of the living God. He dwells in His people. We, the church, are the house of the living God. It's real. The church. You know... The, the world might talk bad about the church and put the church down and act like the church is irrelevant. But what's really crazy is so many believers think the church is unimportant. The church is the house of God. This is where He dwells, in the midst of His people. See, this temple made with people is called the church. It's a truth that so much of the church seems to have forgotten. Ephesians 2, 19-22 says, Now therefore you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building... Be not talking about a, a building of concrete and mortar and wood. No, it's not that kind of a building. In whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. He's talking about the universal church, that the whole entire church is being fitted together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Then he says this to the local church in verse, verse 22. He says, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. The dwelling place of God. He's talking about the church. This is where God dwells. He's everywhere, but there's something special when we, the church, come together. You know, the church is that holy temple where He dwells. Not a building, but the people. Peter talks about the same thing in 1 Peter 2.5. He says, you also as living stones are being built up, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. There's several things you could talk about as a spiritual sacrifice, but one of those is what we talked about last week from Hebrews 13.15 that we continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I hope you offered up thanks. 
Amen. But the Bible says this, that this is one of our sacrifices we bring to God. You see, it is our sacrifice of praise. When we praise Him, He shows up. When they dedicated the temple in the Old Testament and the people began to praise the Lord, the glory of the Lord came down in a powerful way. And I want to read about it just briefly. We're going to look at 2 Chronicles 5, 13 and 14. It came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For He is good, for His mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not continue to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. They built a really nice building. It was awesome. It was still just a building. And the people came in. Nothing happened. I mean, there's this great building built to be a temple for the Lord, but nothing happened. And then the people came in. Nothing happened. Until the people began to praise the Lord. They began to lift up their praise and all of a sudden the presence of God fell in that place. The glory of the, of the Lord came in in a tangible, visible way where they could even see it. And it was so heavy, it was so powerful that the priests couldn't stand to minister. How did it happen? When the people came in and then they began to praise the Lord. Church, what we need is the presence of God. What we desire is to have that glory of the Lord in this place. Now I want you to understand, we don't see the the glory come down in a cloud every time we praise Him. Neither did they. But I do believe that every time that we gather and we worship and praise the Lord, that He is here and God will show Himself to us. He'll speak to us. He'll reveal Himself to us in some way where we can know Him more. Not just church as usual that the glory of the Lord would be in this place. I want to tell you, we don't come here just to hear some music and listen to some guy talk. We come here to worship the Lord. We come here to meet with Him, to experience Him. We come seeking to know Him in a deeper way. How about Cool Church? Have you heard about Cool Church? Cool Church, I mean, they got free coffee and donuts. Lots of young, happening-looking, you know, people dressed cool, and they're all awesome, and you come in the auditorium, and they got all the latest tech. They got big screens flying around everywhere. Wow. And the music, it's just as good as anything you'd ever find out in the world. And the preacher, he's funny. It's so fun to listen to him because he's really funny. Some of you are thinking, where's that church? There's a whole lot of people thinking, where's that church? They're looking for cool church. 
All this, there's nothing wrong with any of those things except for the fact that that has become the thing and that people are looking for cool church instead of looking for the presence of God. And I would gladly trade all of that away. I mean, you, you might be thinking, well, you ain't got that much to trade. Oh, I think this church is awesome. We got the best people anywhere. But let me, just, let me just say that I would gladly trade away all of cool church just to have a moment of the presence of God. But in fact, so much of the church in America today has traded away the presence of God to have something they call cool church. Y'all are way too quiet. But I know, I know this has to be addressed. I know this has to be heard. Because, listen, God wants us to come here for Him. He wants us to come here seeking Him, desiring Him, desiring His presence, that hunger to be like David and say, I want to be in your house where the glory dwells. That's, what we, that's why we come here. It's not for neat programs and all that. No, it's for Him. Trade it all for a few moments in the presence of the Lord. The psalmist said in 84:10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. See, we're not, this isn't a spiritual club. We don't come here to be entertained. We come here to meet with God. You know, in the Old Testament, they called the tabernacle the tent of meeting. Man, they got that right. They realized that that was where they went to meet with God. We need to realize that that's what church is. It's where we go to meet with God. This is the place where He dwells. The church of the living God. To be in the presence of the Lord. See, that ought to be the desire of our heart. David said in Psalm 27, 4, One thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in His temple. Now again, the temple hadn't even been built yet when David is saying this, and it's just a matter of how they translate it. But David is just talking about the place where they go to worship, the place they go to meet. And he says, this is his greatest desire. The one thing is he wants to be in the presence of the Lord, and he wants to behold His beauty. He wants a glimpse of the glory of God to see Him in all His splendor, to understand His character in person in a fresh new way. But I tell you, there is a holy place where we can see the glory of the Lord, the beauty of the Lord, and know Him in a brand new way. You know, people that don't really desire to be closer to God, who aren't really hungry for the presence of God. You know, casual seekers, they're not going to know that glory of the Lord. No, If we really want to see Him and know Him, He says, you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart 
It can never just be a casual thing. It can't just be a, a, a thing of, yeah, we're going to church, so what? No, it has to be something that we really want, the presence of God. We're hungry for the Lord. And not just when we go to church, but in our personal lives that we truly seek Him with all our heart. It has to be something that we desire, that we really want, that we're passionate about. In Psalm 42, 1 and 2, he said, As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? How is it that today so many settle for the trappings of religion? And they just seem to be bored with the Lord. They haven't even begun to know Him. Because I want to tell you, the more you know Him, the more you want to know Him. And the more... It's, it's amazing to me, some people, they, they prayed the prayer and you know they've been a Christian for a year or two or even five years and, and they think they know what there is to know about God. They missed it all together. But I want to tell you, when you really begin to know Him, you, you begin to see the wonder, the awesomeness of this God, that there's so much more to Him, so much more that it takes us a lifetime to get to know all there is to know of Him, and we still won't know it all until we see Him. Moses had a relationship with the Lord like few ever do. And yet he wanted more. In Exodus 33, we're going to work our way through 11 through 23, beginning with verse 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. That's pretty awesome. He spoke to him face to face as a man with his friend. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man did not depart from the tabernacle. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you, you have found, also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if I found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. Here's his request. Show me now your way that I may know you. He talks to God, speaks to God face to face as a man with his friend, and yet he makes this request, show me your way that I may know you. He's wanting to get a glimpse of the glory of God. He's wanting to see just who this is. He's wanting to see more, to know more. Show me your way that I may know you. Do we still have that hunger? Do we still want to know him more? I mean, Moses already is, has this intimate relationship with the Lord, and yet he, he wants more. It reminds me of the Apostle Paul. After decades of ministry and walking with the Lord and being used of God so mightily, after having been to the third heaven, the Apostle Paul says, I want to know Christ. How is it we get satisfied with so little? when there's so much more. 
verse 14, and he said, the Lord says to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. See, God is everywhere, but there is a difference between the omnipresence of God and when God is right there in front of you. That's that presence that we desire. And he promises to give us rest. Rest from the striving, from the battle. Rest from turmoil. Rest from this constant conflict. I tell you, there's a rest in the presence of the Lord that will refresh you and renew you and restore you. You see, in the presence of the Lord, He can give you something that you need to overcome what you're going through in your life. He can fill you with love, with joy, with peace. But here's the thing. When you're in His presence, you know that He's so much bigger than whatever your problems might be. Rest. You need rest? Get in the presence of the Lord. Moses says, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here, for how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Moses knew what we need to know. What makes us different is the presence of God. That's it. That's it. Without the presence of God, we don't really have anything. But when we have the presence of God, we have everything that we need. And this is how the world knows that we're real. This is how the world can see that our God is real, is His presence in us, His people. You know what makes a great church? I've heard a lot of things people talk about. This makes a great church. That makes a great church. His presence makes a great church. Verse 17, So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. He knows everything about you. But I'll tell you, Moses had the right requests. He wanted the presence of God. He wanted to know the Lord more. But Moses, you know, Moses is in the wilderness with what could have been about two million people. And it's hard to imagine how you would handle that with all of our modern machinery and abilities. But this man is doing this with none of that. How? How do you lead two million people in a wilderness... This is what Moses is doing. And this conversation that Moses is having with the Lord, you know, I think it seems to be going pretty well for Moses. The Lord says, I'll do this thing. I think Moses realized that this might be a good time to ask for something else. But he doesn't ask the Lord for resources. I mean, when you're leading two million people... We need a lot of resources here, Lord. He doesn't ask him even for great wisdom like Solomon. That was a great prayer when Solomon asked for wisdom. But Moses doesn't even do that. 
In fact, I want you to see what his request is. Here's his request, verse 18. Please, please show me your glory. He wanted to see who God was. He wanted to see Him in the fullness of His person. He wasn't satisfied with what He knew and what He understood. He wanted more. And He says, show me your glory. That's His request. He was asking for more than what He had already experienced face-to-face, speaking with God as his friend. Wow. He wanted it all. In verse 19, the Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, Here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock, so it shall be while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. I want you to understand something about what just happened here. You know, we all know that the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man with his friend. And there are other passages of Scripture where it it becomes apparent that somebody saw the Lord. And then here he says, no man can see my face and live. Because you see... All of those times where it had those kinds of passages, like here where Moses talks to God face to face as a man with his friend, he's talking to God, but it it isn't seeing God in all of the fullness of his glory. No, there are many times where God appears and shows himself in an image or a likeness, or he shows himself in some way, but not the fullness of of his glory, and that's what Moses is asking for. So the Lord tells him, no man can see my face. You can't see me in all of my glory and live. But he says, but I'm going to show you all my goodness. He's going to show him one part of his character in person. And guess what? It was exactly what Moses needed for leading two million people in the wilderness. He was going to need a whole lot of the goodness of God, and it would carry him through. But you see, God revealed a portion of that glory to him. He showed him exactly what he needed. And I want you to know that the Lord will do the same thing in our lives. You see, sometimes we're in a worship service or maybe we're in our personal devotional time and God just begins to show us something. He reveals something to us that helps us get through our battle and what we're going through. It changes the situation. It changes our perspective when God shows up and reveals Himself to us that way. You know, the Lord told Moses right after this to come up on Mount Sinai and he gave him the Ten Commandments. And when this happened, uh, Moses' face 
was changed by the glory of the Lord. It, it just shone. And when he came down, it scared the people. And so Moses wore a veil over his face so that the people wouldn't be afraid. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it talks about Moses and the glory of God and the veil that he wore. And then it tells us this in 2 Corinthians 3.18, we all with unveiled faces, he's talking about all of us now, all right? If you're a born-again believer, he's talking about all of us. We with unveiled faces, we don't need a veil, we got an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, in other words, we're not seeing the full-blown glory of God. We can't handle that. No man has seen his face at any time and lived. We see it as in a mirror. We're seeing a reflection. We're seeing a little bit of it. But he says, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image. Transformed. You see, when you see God, when you really get something fresh from God, it will transform you. It will change you. He says, from glory to glory. From glory to glory. God reveals Himself to us and we are transformed. And God reveals something else to us and we are transformed. It's from glory to glory. See, too many people have bought into this lie that, that you just pray this prayer and that's it forever. That's the beginning place. That's not the end. That's just the beginning. That God becomes real to us and we're His sons and daughters and we go from glory to glory being transformed into the same image, changing us from the inside out. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, Paul says, Now we see in a mirror dimly. See, we can't see it all. Not now. But there will come a day, he says, but then face to face. That day will come when we will see him face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know just as I also am known. I just know a little bit right now. But one day, I'll know him just like he knows me. Paul, the one who went to the third heaven. And yet he's still looking forward to that day when I will know him even as I am known. He still has a hunger and a desire to know him in a deeper way. We need to see that there's more for us. We need to be looking and seeking and longing for more of the presence of God in our life, to see the glory of the Lord. I want to go back to that verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 3 one more time. He says, to be transformed with the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. See, when, when, by, when we just get a glimpse of Him, that fresh revelation, it can change you. Here's a, there's many, many examples throughout the Scripture, but here's one. Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up, and this train filled the temple. He sees this vision. Now, Isaiah did not see the Lord in all the fullness of His glory. No man can see His face and live. 
But he saw, he saw a certain amount of this revelation of the glory of the Lord and this vision he has of the Lord, and it, it revealed to him the holiness of God. As the angels of the Lord were saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And His glory fills the whole earth. What did this, what did this do to Isaiah? He said, I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst a people of unclean lips. You see, when he got that vision of the holiness of God, it changed him. And then the Lord says, Who will go for us? Who can we send? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. You see, that vision had forever changed him. Oh, if you just get a glimpse of his glory. You see, God knows what you need. He knows right where you are, what you're going through. God is love. He's perfect love. His love is so powerful. When I was 18 years old, I was in a youth service and had just been serving the Lord for a short time. And, you know, we're just worshiping God. And all of a sudden, I don't know how, I don't know why, I didn't ask for it, but all of a sudden, I, somehow I began to feel just a little bit just a little bit of the love that God has for people. And it, it just totally overwhelmed me. So here I am, a young man, 18 years old. There's teenagers all around worshiping God. But it was like I was the only one in the room as I'm worshiping God. And this revelation comes to me. And the tears just ran down my face. It's just so overwhelming. I guess the Lord knew what I needed if I was going to be in ministry and if I was going to be used of Him that way. And I'm just telling you that God knows exactly what we need. And when we get in the presence of God, He is able to reveal Himself to us. He's able to show us things that can change us forever. I tell you, He has the power. See, when you're in a situation that seems impossible, oh, a revelation of the power of the Almighty will change it. When you, when, when you get a, a, a fresh revelation of God as your provider, it'll change the way you look at things, the way you look at money, the way you deal with money. I'm just telling you, it'll, it'll change you. See, it's one thing when you know in your head that the Lord is your healer. It's something else when all of a sudden you get a revelation from God as though God were speaking to you when the Scripture says, I am the Lord who heals you. When you get a revelation of it, everything changes. You see, what we really need is to be in His presence, to behold His glory, 
And you've been, you made mistakes and you've been under this cloud of guilt and condemnation and you got, you got a past. I want to tell you, you need a fresh revelation of the mercy and the grace of God. Maybe you think that God is not fair and why did God this and why did God that? I tell you, you need a fresh revelation of the justice and the truth of God. You need a fresh re revelation of the righteousness of our God. But here's the amazing thing, is that whatever we think we need, He knows what we need better than we do. And many times it is just as we are in His presence that God will show us, reveal to us exactly what we need. Moses didn't ask for a revelation of God's goodness. I didn't ask for a revelation of the love of God but he knew what I needed. We just need a glimpse of his glory, the splendor of his person. He knows exactly what we need. But there is coming a day when we finally cross over. I want to tell you, people have silly earthly ideas about what heaven is like. None of those things are going to matter when we see Him. Revelation 21, 23, speaking about the new Jerusalem, the Scripture says, the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God illuminated. The Lamb is the light. You're not going to need any electricity. You're not going to need any candles. You're not going to need a lamp. You're not going to need anything else. The glory of God illuminates it. Can you imagine? It's hard to even imagine just to wrap your mind around it. But when we see Him in all His glory, how awesome, how amazing that will be. And all the things of this world fade away just to be in the presence of such a one. We can have a little bit of that here on earth. Amen. Amen. I want you to stand with me.